Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. Welcome into episode 175 of the Jab with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We are going through our top starting pitching prospect rankings today. Always fun breaking down pitching prospects. And with me to do it is my 80 grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much. Another good day to talk prospects. And the pitching rankings are deep and there's a lot to cover. And a lot of fun names. So even some, I think we'll see a, a good many of these top guys this year yeah. in the majors. So that's obviously exciting as well. But yeah, it's doing good and just really happy to be back talking more baseball. Yeah. Like, you, like Chris said, there's a lot of these guys that are not only just talented, but near ready for the major leagues as well. As I look at my, just in my, inside my top 100, between guys that have already debuted last year, and guys that'll debut this year, I got 13 names. Maybe move that to top 200 or so, 29. So, you know, who knows how many innings all these guys will get or what their roles will be. Some will probably pitch out of the bullpen a little bit, long relief, spot start. You know, it's, it's always kind of all over the place with rookie pitchers, but a lot of fun names that we're going to see very, very soon, and we will break them all down, plus the ones in the lower levels as well. But before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at Eric04. And our show is at Pod. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out my Patreon for more work from me and Chris's Substack for more work from him. A lot of great stuff on both of those platforms. Make sure to check out all the other great stuff that Fantrax and Fantrax HQ have to offer. 2023 Fantasy Baseball Leagues are already open. All of them, draft and holds, best balls, the whole, whole lot. And our 2023 Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit is in full swing as well. Lastly, we want to say a quick word about friends at Underdog Fantasy, one of our newest sponsors to this show. If you sign up using the promo code Toolshed, you'll receive a 100% deposit match up to $100, and that can be used for any of their fun fantasy games, including MLB best balls, individual player pickups across all sports, and so much more. Sign up today using that code Toolshed at play.underdogfantasy.com slash p-the-toolshed. We will put that in a tweet as well attached to this episode and in the, in the description as well. So don't worry about remembering that. We will put it in the bio as well. All right, Chris, let's get into this week's episode here. Again, starting pitching prospects only. Tennessee will be in an, another show. Let's start with our top 10 pitching prospects. Chris, take it away. All right. So off the top, I've got Andrew Painter at number one, followed by Grayson Rodriguez, Yuri Perez, and Ricky Tiedemann. Those are kind of a tier of their own for me at the top those four and then tier two it goes through 10 actually would be kyle harrison gavin williams daniel espino hunter brown brandon fought and taj bradley so i have the exact same top four just in a slightly different order and i agree that this is tier one though i i think espino can get back into this tier if he shows healthy but who really knows at this point in time for me i go grayson rodriguez andrew painter ricky tiedemann 
Yuri Perez, Daniel Espino at five, six through ten, Gavin Williams, Taj Bradley, Kyle Harrison, Tink Hentz, and Hunter Brown. Though I might flip flop Hentz and Brown. I might even put Brown ahead of Harrison. I'm not 100 sure on that yet, but that's definitely kind of tier two range for me as well. And right at the top, Chris, like like you mentioned, we have that top tier of you know some order: Rodriguez, Painter, Tiedemann, and Perez. And really, you've seen a lot of different variations of that four. Like I put, I tweeted out my top, I think I said 15 pitching prospects the other day on Twitter, and I Perez four, and someone, a few people got really angry about Perez not being one. So you can really make a case for all of these guys. But you have Andrew Painter at one, obviously coming off a an absolutely dominant year after being drafted in the first round by the Philadelphia Phillies. Reaching double A, you know, nobody really saw that coming. But overall, Painter, the 6'7 Painter, no less, finished with a stellar 156 ERA, 0.89 whip, 155 walks. So there's 25 Ks across 103 and two thirds innings. That is a 38.7% strikeout rate to an only 6.2% walk rate. Again, all as a 19 year old was 20 late in the season. Very impressive stuff. What puts him at number one for you? Well, it's just the really the combination of everything that he brings to the table. And I, I will say, I think it's really close. We're splitting hairs between him and Grayson Rodriguez. Both bring elite stuff and good command. And, you know, Painter this year, he was, I will say, a surprise, but I mean, he was a bit surprising with how well bit. he performed and how much he moved up. I mean, you look and across 104 innings, 155 Ks, 25 walks, and a, a 1.56 ERA. The stuff across the board is just really, really good. His fastball, you know, he he paints at the top of the zone. You know, painter painting over here. It, it gets. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great name for a pitcher. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he averaged over 96 miles an hour this year. He topped out over 100. I mean, the, the induced vertical break is really good. I think he commands it extremely well. And then you look, and I think the slider is probably the next best pitch, which also has you know high spin rates. I, I think he commands it well, and he can make it dive out of the zone to get hitters to chase. And then you're looking at a curveball and a changeup that you know he didn't use the changeup too much this year because he didn't need to because the arsenal is just so good and he just dominated. And he, he killed it through low A and high A. He finished with five starts in double A. I do think he'll need to use the changeup more. He did have a whiff rate of over 55% on it this year, and his chase rate was near 40%. So the numbers on the, the changeup are really good. Just needs to use it more. So I think the if there's just if he can distinct the curve from the slider, then I'm I think he could just really just blow the socks off and end up being a an, an ace. And there's few pitcher or very few pitching prospects that I would even say it's possible for them to be an ace. But he does everything you want to see out of an ace pitcher. He's got a durable frame, six foot seven, listed at 220. I'm not I think he could add a little bit more weight as well, but the frame's healthy. He should throw a lot of innings and be very durable. And for the time being, he has a more proven track record of health than Grayson Rodriguez does. So G Rod obviously has is good if not better stuff but the the health track record is the reason i went painter at one and that's fair and in regards to the you know the ace you, you know throwing that term around i don't use that a lot either you know i'd say really i could say that about five guys those are my top five rodriguez painter tiedemann perez espino 
some guys that are like borderline, maybe, you know, Gavin Williams, you know, maybe, you know, Tink Hans, he's still, you know, very young, but he maybe could get up to that range. But really, that's that's it. You know, Jackson, maybe Jackson Job, you know, Lesko Porter. It's so early on those guys. But yeah, that's not a term I'd like to throw around lightly. So yeah, when I say it, I really mean it. And with these top five for me, I do mean it. With, with GRF for me, and again, like Chris said, it's splitting hairs. Like any of these four, like all four of these are very dominant arms. I've seen both Rodriguez and Tiedemann live. I have not seen Painter, though I hopefully will. Well, depends where he starts here i was thinking it would be in double a but at this point who knows before i get into g-rod chris you know obviously there's been a lot of rumors about painter maybe even breaking camp with philly given a strong spring dombrowski has you know pretty long history of pushing a lot of his top guys especially top arms i'll, I'll ask two questions what percent chance do you see or would you painter to open the season in the rotation and then secondly, how many innings do you think he threw at the major league level this year? Man, I've been on board with saying he wasn't going to debut to start the year. It just seems crazy because he will be 19 still to be in the season. Now he'll turn 20 fairly quickly after the season begins, but it still just seems nuts to me to think that he could. But they've been consistent on pumping this and saying he's he's going to have every chance in the spring to prove that he is ready to debut. So, I mean, right now, I'd say it's probably better than 75%. It, it seems likely, uh -huh. unless that there's just, I don't know, unless the spring's just not there. Like, we'll see. But how many innings does he throw? We got, what, 104 out of him last year. Get to 135, 140. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I'm trying to figure out. If there's been the last pitching project I remember debuting as a teenager was Jose Fernandez. I'm wondering if there's been any since then that have debuted as a teenager. Trying to find it, yeah. I cannot find it, but there there probably has been. Oh, maybe not. Usually, when we see these super young, you know, 19 year old debuts, it's usually on the hitting side of things. But that yeah. is, it, it's impressive, and you know, I'm not. I'd probably go a little bit lower. I, I I think it's I'm definitely a higher percent chance now than I was like you know even a month ago. I'll say fifty percent. I think it's definitely a possibility, especially if he has a good spring. But I think he does get even if he's not up on opening day. You got to figure he's up by mid season. So I can see seventy five, eighty innings out of him this year. So you know he's going I think in the four hundred range for redrafts. So if you want that upside in that part of your draft, great target. Probably won't find higher upside in that part of your draft. But yeah, so he's my number two. I still have G-Rod as one. I saw G-Rod back in August of 2021. Yeah, he did miss some time. This past year only had 75 and two-thirds innings. Due to injury, probably would have been either graduated or, yeah, probably would have been graduated at this point or at least already having debuted. And while I could probably make a fair argument that Painter, if everything breaks right, you know, ultimate ceilings might have a tick higher. I still feel a bit safer about Rodriguez. And that's not to say I don't feel safe about Painter. Again, this is splitting hairs. They're both high upside, pretty significant floors as well. When I saw Rodriguez you know, back in 2021, late in the season, in double in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, all four of his pitches were just so damn good. Fastball mid upper 90s, really moved it around all four quadrants, commended it pretty well. Change up, easily plus. I... 
I don't quite want to go double plus, but it's teetering. If there, if I gave out 65 grades, I don't like using those, but if I did, it'd probably be that. And two pretty good breaking balls as well. Curveball and slider has always just struck out a ton of guys. Swinging myself has always been there. Great in the minor leagues is 36.3%, and that's nearly 300 innings worth of work since he debuted back in 2018. So it's splitting hairs, but I feel it's a little bit safer. But Rodriguez, love what they're doing there in Baltimore. And again, splitting hairs, but he's one painters two for me. It's going down to Daniel Espino here. I have him five. You have him seven. Do you still think that Espino, if he's, you know, assuming, which again, we just really been not a lot of news regarding Espino's health the entire year after he's, his first four starts stopped pitching early in the season. Hasn't been a lot of news. So we're kind of, there's a big element of the unknown here. Do you still think he, given health, can get back into this top tier this year? I certainly think he could push up. And I think there's a chance that he could even become the number one pitching prospect in baseball because I do believe okay. in the talent level there. There's no questioning that for me. It's more just the fact that he needs to prove health. Now, I mean, the, it's just bizarre to me how they've handled everything as far as his injury. Like, we don't know what's going on ultimately. That's the, that's the problem is that we haven't heard anything. And, you know, he, he had a different injury at the beginning of the year. I think it was a knee injury. And then it later led to a shoulder injury. And the knee didn't connect to the shoulder. But anyway, he had a shoulder injury later in the year. And then he never came back. So, it, I don't know. I, I, I want to know more and, like, really figure out what went on. But... Yep. As we've mentioned, he's his stuff is elite of the elite. I mean, talk about a fastball that gets up, you know, close to a hundred, and then he mixes in a slider in the low nineties, just nastiness. I mean, so those two pitches alone are elite. And then you also mix in a change in a curve. I think there's good command there. I mean, first career, like his minor league career, we've seen you know, a three five seven ERA is okay. I, th- I think he's better than that. He struck out 221 batters in 133 professional innings. Yeah. That's just insane. Like, you can't argue with those results. And I, th- I just think that the level is there for him to take the next step. And even the miss of that, even having a 3.570 ERA, he has a 106 whip, which is encouraging. You know, near 15 strikeouts per nine innings. I think the command is above average or better, too. So I, I do think with health, Espino can really push back into that top tier. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Like Espino was my number two pitching prospect early in the season before, you know, the injuries happened and Painter broke out and Tiedemann broke out, et cetera, et cetera. So definitely and I said I had him above Yuri going into the year. And I so I still believe ultimate upside is slightly higher than Yuri's. And it's not, not a knock against Yuri, all you Yuri supporters out there. He's very, very good as well. But yeah, Espino has one of the highest upsides final league right now. So hopefully he gets back on track and be able to see him live this upcoming year if, he, if he's in double A, which I'm assuming he will be starting the season. So that'll be fun to see. Tiedemann's another one I, I saw live, like I mentioned. Three really good pitches, fastball, slider, changeup. Fairly, you know, the walk rate was nine and a half or so percent, but very poised, very advanced feel for his age. I'm not worried about the walk rate. I think that'll tick down over time. And if, if you're looking to acquire a an elite pitching prospect, you know, like these top five or so, you know, probably Espino and Tiedemann, I think, are your best bets, like the lowest price tag. And they're not going to be low price tags, but 
lower compared to Perez, Painter, and Rodriguez. So if you want to get one of these guys, I'd recommend going after Tiedemann or Espino, whose price tags are going to be a little bit lower, I think, than the other three mentioned there. Kyle Harrison's another one I saw live as well. This is a really good year for me for pitching prospect live looks. Then Chris and I saw Tim Kent later in the year as well. With Harrison, he reminds me so, so much of Robbie Ray. And that's a good outcome. I think that's a very good outcome if he turns into like a Robbie Ray. But at the same time, like Harrison has good secondaries with the slider and the changeup. But in my live look, you know, he, he didn't have bad stats in my live look. This was in the Tiedemann debut, Tiedemann versus Harrison in New Hampshire in AA early August. They were really hunting out his fastball early. And I've seen that, we you know, Robbie Ray, you know, the velocity is there, but, you know, metrics I haven't always been the greatest. I wonder if that's the path for Harrison where, you know, it's a good fastball, but it's it's hittable at times. He doesn't always command it the best. And if they, you know, hitters really seek that out before he can get into, you know, pitchers counts and get into those secondary offerings, I think he's a big guy that maybe has, a, you know, it's a little bit higher ERA and whip than some of these other guys we've already talked about, though the K's should be there. He's always took out a ton of batters. So I'm that's why I'm probably a couple of ticks lower in my rankings than than most people are with Harrison. Yeah, I, I think there's, you know, I, I'm fine with those concerns. And I think that I, I'm fine with him at any spot in, in the second tier of arms. Yeah, I, agree. I do. I like Harrison. The command is going to have to come. That's that's probably the next step. I think he's made a little progress with that. But there's still work that needs to be done with Harrison. And at the end of the day, like all these guys are up here for a reason and they all have flaws. I mean, none of them are perfect by any means, but I do think that, man, I'm looking at it now and I probably feel like I should adjust a bit and move Harrison like behind like Gavin Williams type because I just feel more comfortable with Gavin Williams command control and his arsenal, even though I do think Harrison's fastball is you know, a seven and he has a plus slider as well. So when you have, I mean, his changeup's fine, but he needs to throw it more often rather than, I mean, like he's throwing it like less than 10% of the time. So we need to see him throw it more. And if he does, I think he can take that step, but he also needs to, you know, command his pitches a little better. Cause that's when he gets in trouble with walks and just missing or missing his pitches. So like Harrison, but I think I'm going to make a bit of an adjustment with him actually. No, I totally agree. I am. I do feel a bit safer about Gavin Williams as well, which is why I have Williams slightly ahead of Harrison in my rankings. And yeah, I do agree. Like that fastball, I think the the grade it finishes at, there's a wide range right now, given the command. Like obviously, the velocity is there, a solid solid ride to it. But at the same time, I just want to see him commanded a bit better uh, than he has so far. And that obviously can come. He's still a very young arm. I think he's only 21 years old. So I'm not saying that that can't come. So obviously, that obviously can, but definitely feel a bit safer. But Williams, who is some, I don't know how Gavin Williams continues to go so underrated. The year he had this past year was very, very good. He made 25 starts between high A and double A, 115 total innings, finished with a 196 ERA, a 0. 0.95 whip, and 149 strikeouts and just 115 innings. That equates out to a, oops, if I can get my thing right here, 33% strikeout rate and a walk rate around 9.5%. Actually, a little bit lower than that, 8.9%, excuse me. So, like, big fastball, big curveball, Cleveland, you know, 
I don't know why Williams gets so undervalued. I mean, people know he's good, but I don't really hear him get talked about whenever anyone's talking about the, you know, the top 10 pitching prospects in the game or just the elite of the elite. His name doesn't get brought up much at all. Even within the second tier, he's probably one of the least talked about in this second tier. And people will be talking about, you know, Taj Bradley more. People talk about Espino more, Tink Hans, Hunter Brown. And it's just like Williams is just there and very, very good. So he's definitely underrated right now. I think so too. He just really just does everything you want to see and just gets the job done. Not always the flashiest, but you don't have to be the flashiest to, you know, be an elite starter. I mean, I have him ranked above Espino right now, and that's basically because of the fact that the health, I think Espino's upside's, you know, higher. But that's not to, you know, make light of what Gavin Williams did last year and what he brings to the table. Another just big physical presence, you know, 6'6", 240, big boy. You know, he's got a big fastball as well. The fastball's, you know, 95, 96, over 100 as well. Up in the zone, gets a ton of swing and misses there. The curve and the slider both have some distinctions, in my opinion. Like, he, they're both, he throws them well, and he makes a distinction between them. The changeup's a good pitch. It's like, the arsenal's pretty well-rounded, I think. And he's also put behind some concerns of, the fact, like the command concerns that he had in college, like those have kind of been put behind him a bit, and it's still some work to do. I think he's probably average command, but just looking at what he did in his pro debut, it's really hard to argue against him, you know, especially in the second tier of guys. And I think he really flies under the radar. And there's a true case to go out and you know get him in a dynasty league because I think he's being underrated still. Hundred percent, absolutely agree. All right, let's go into the next ten of our rankings here. For me, that is Kodai Senga. And I need to figure out, if anybody knows, is it K-O-U-D-I or D-A-I or just K-O-D-A-I? I've seen it you know, both ways many times. So if anybody knows 100% for sure, if there's a U in there or not, let me know, please. So Kodai Senga at 11. Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, Max Meyer, Tanner Bibby, Bryce Miller, Mick Abel, Brandon Fott, Owen White, and Cade Volley are my 11 through 20. Chris, who you got? I've also got Senga at 11, and I'm not sure if there's a U in his name or not. I've seen both. <laughs> I, I've got Gavin Stone at 12, Tinkins at 13, Bobby Miller 14, and Tanner Bybee at 15. Then I've got Bryce Miller, Owen White, Hayden Wesneski, Jack Leiter, and Mick Abel rounding out the 20 spot. Is it Bybee? Tanner Bybee? I'm, I'm pretty sure, but I, I can't confirm with certainty. <laughs> that does sound right. If it, if it was Bybee, it'd probably be a second B in there. Again, if anybody hears us saying a player's name wrong, like we always try to do our, our best to pronounce every, every player's name correctly. If you hear something and you know, like, hey, like like in the past, we used to say Mick Abel, and Mick's aunt actually reached out to us, says like, hey, it's actually Abel. She's very nice about it. So let us know. If you, if you hear us saying a name wrong, please let us know. Reach out Twitter, or Discord, whatever. Um, so this is the range of, I think this, it's a bunch of undervalued pitchers in this range. Like, they might not be, you know, obviously not as sexy as the, the names we talked about in the top 10, but so many undervalued names that could be really sneaky good. Like Brennan Fott, perfect example of that. You know, Gavin, I think both Dodgers guys are still a little bit underrated. Tanner Bybee, absolutely underrated. You know, Owen White, you know, Bryce Miller. There's so many good names here that are just really underrated for fantasy purposes. I think so too. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we just, you know, focus on these high-end guys. But 
man, I could see Gavin Stone moving up easily into the top 10 or higher. I could see Bobby Miller, you know, being a top five guy pretty easily. I think Miller yeah. just significantly underperformed last year, but the stuff's elite. I mean, Bryce Miller's taking a step. Teen Ken's stuff's really good. I'm, I have a couple of concerns about his reliever risk, but I, I mean, you can't deny what we saw and the stuff that we saw in the AFL. I think Owen White's highly underrated. I think Mick Abel can make a jump into the top 10, top seven pretty easily. So there's a lot of names to like in this range. And I think there's some good buying opportunities as well. Aiden Wesneski's one that really sucks that the Cubs have gone out and blocked Matt Mervis and Hayden Wesneski with other arms and I know, obviously right? Hosmer and Trey Mancini. So Wesneski probably has a decent buying opportunity in AAA. I mean, he'll be in AAA and I think it creates the opportunity to buy because here's what I think is likely to happen. He knows he should be in the majors because he came up. I mean, he's already dominated AAA. He's ready. He came up in the majors last year and dominated. So if he's just in AAA, he's going to be messing around. Like it, we don't think about the fact that for some of these guys, like those things kind of hurt the player and he may perform bad. And you know what? I still, I think what we saw last year is who he is. And there's a good buying opportunity right now for Hayden Lesneski. I totally agree with that. I love Wesneski here. I have him a little bit lower in my rankings, but I like him in general. And yeah, it's very annoying. The Cubs are doing this, like going out. I don't think in general, I don't think any of these moves they've made have been bad moves. It's just they blocked Matt Mervis and Hayden Wesneski. You know, Hosmer, whatever. He's fine for, for what they paid for him. Mancini, again, fine. Still has some decent little pop in, in the profile. And was the pitch? Oh, yeah, Jameson Tyon. Again, fine. Don't hate any of those moves. I just really sucks that I was like waiting to see what Wesneski could do over a full year, what Mervis could do if he could, you know, translate all that AAA success and in the AFL that where we saw him over to the major leagues and, and become you know, a pretty good bat at the first baseball or DH. But I say we'll have to wait a little bit on that. I wish they would have actually just went out instead of signing Tyon, like went out and actually tried to address their bullpen, which is. You know, it's not terrible, but definitely could have used an upgrade or two in that bullpen. But they went this rotation around, got tie on, and now who knows? But with Wesneski, but again, you know, Smiley's in the rotation. He isn't exactly you know been the durability beacon of durability. Hendricks has had his issues. Who knows if Steele is for real? I think he kind of can be a little bit, but he's not a lock by any means. Stroman tie on probably should, but again, those guys have had durability issues as well. So who knows? He'll get into the rotation at some point, and he's probably next man up, but we shall see on that. But yeah, there's a lot of names I love in this range. Like Bryce Miller, for me, I think he is one of the more underrated pitchers. Him and Bibby, we both have 15 and 16 back-to-back. I think they're both incredibly underrated. You know, Bibby is coming up a very good year, but he just gets overshadowed by Gavin Williams and by Daniel Espino. And Bryce Miller, I don't know why he's getting undervalued now. He's been coming off. He's not really overshadowed by anybody in that in that system. It's not like a, a Tanner Bybee situation there. So look at what he's done. Bryce Miller this past year between basically it was high. He had won a start in low A, but mostly high A and double A. So he probably gets up to triple A to start this year. Overall was a 316 ERA across 133 and two-thirds innings with a 104 whip and pretty nice little 30% strike on the dot. And walk rate was kind of decent as well. It had been a slight concern of his, but 8.5%, you'll definitely live with that. You know, I love Bryce Miller. I think the stuff is really, really good there. 
like a high-end number three starter type. And a guy that we could see, you know, Seattle's got a lot of arms up there as well, but you know, this is a guy we could see in the second half as well. So Miller is one of my personal favorites in this range here. Uh, Chris, who's one of your personal favorites in this range and, and why is it Brandon Fott? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I've I've got Fott in the top ten, but yeah, he's certainly a favorite of mine for a lot of reasons. No, 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 let, let, let me ask you real quick, sorry. Do you have Fott in that second tier? Or is he like the beginning of the third tier? A second tier. I, I think the second tier to me runs through Gavin Stone at 12. So I have a Senga and Stone. So Miller could jump in there. I, I really think so. But I think that there's a tier difference between them and then Bobby Miller. So yeah, Fott's in the second tier of arms right now for me. A lot of reasons, you know, elite strike thrower, you know, good secondaries to get swing and miss. I, I wrote you know, a ton on him at Pitcherless in a pretty deep dive. So you can go check that out if you want. And hopefully, you know, it provides good value because I think that he is, I'll just say, I think he wins rotation spot with Arizona because he's just a much better pitcher than some of the other guys there. So we'll see yeah, about that. Agreed. Man, I think that if I was going to pick one in this range that I'm just like going to you know, target like crazy, Bobby Miller, because I think that Miller, you know, people look at his surface numbers and they weren't great last year. And that doesn't tell the whole picture, though, because, you know, we're talking about a pitcher who is pitching in major, major hitting environments in double and triple A with Los Angeles. And he pitched 112 innings in a 425 ERA, 145 Ks in those innings. But Miller, you know, great frame, 6'5", 220, very explosive off the mound. The four seam, 98 miles an hour. I think I recall seeing something, and I don't know who tweeted, but I'm pretty sure I recall someone seeing or tweeting that Bobby Miller, his average fastball velo would have been the highest of any starter in the majors this past season. So that's obviously encouraging when you can locate that at the top of the zone. He does that with ease. He blows it by hitters. He also mixes in a sinker, too, and kind of keeps him honest with the four-seam and the sinker mix. You like to see that. And there's a slider that is maybe a seven, pretty elite. I mean, he gets to 90 on it. So you think about, I mean, Jacob deGrom's slider is like 93. But, you know, when you're getting up to 90 miles an hour with a slider with elite sweeping action, then there is a lot to like. He sometimes mixes in a cutter. He kind of brought the cutter about this year. And there's a plus changeup. There's kind of a common theme that we've seen with Totcher's arms, and it's like, you know, a good changeup. It's, you know, a big fastball and, you know, some some good breakers as well. Like, they just do a lot of things well. There's top-of-the-line rotation stuff here. I mean, the command ultimately is why I have Stone ahead, but it's pretty close. So I think that Miller yeah. could make a jump, and I think Miller could be in the Dodgers rotation at some point in 2023. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And yet, don't look at, don't look at his surface stats from last year. Like, he was much better down the stretch. Like, after July 1st, 356 ERA and a 36% K rate, you know, dropped the walk rate down a little bit as well. So I am, yeah, I'm definitely, Miller and Stone is basically a coin flip now. They're both very talented arms. And even in Pepio, we probably won't even talk about him that much, but he's kind of underrated as well and got up to the major leagues, but he had a very high walk rate in the major leagues as well. But the other name I'm targeting a lot in this range is Mick Abel. And I think, I still think that he's just on the verge. All the stuff is there for him to jump up firmly into that tier two range. Like I mentioned, he reminds me a lot of a young Steven Strasburg, you know, nice fastball can has good feel for both of his breaking balls, 
and a good changeup as well. It was really, really good stuff here. Elite passing ability. He's starting to, you know, slowly making those improvements to go from, you know, a thrower to a pitcher, being able to locate and command better. Like he hasn't been obviously as quickly to ascend as Painter, but I still think the stuff is there for a very, very good high end number two pitcher. And, you know, who knows what, you know, how long some of these guys will be there at the major league level. But even, if, you know, no, when is Nola signed through? Actually, it's not. Let me see when Aaron Nola is signed through. He's in Philly through the. Oh, it's just this year. Okay. He's a free agent after this season. So who knows if they, you know, resign him. But even if not, like, they're going to have potential one two knockout punch with Painter and Mick Abel. And Griff McGarry, too, is really, really good stuff as well. He's, you know, doesn't get quite highly ranked as these two are, but he's a very good target in Dynasty Leagues as well, given the stuff and the upside that he has. So, yeah, a lot of fun names in this, in this Phillies org on the mound here. And, and Mick Abel is definitely one of them I would target right now in all Dynasty Leagues. All right, let's go ahead and take a break to get a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Support for Fantrax Toolshed is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package, to join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with its exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping using the code TOOLSHED. The Performance 4.0 package by Manscaped has arrived, and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver deodorant, the Crop Reviver toner, the Performance Boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. The Lawnmower 4.0 is the future of grooming and, dare I say, the greatest trimmer ever. I'm blown away by its craftsmanship and its performance. This fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof. You can use it in the shower. and has a 4,000K LED spotlight that you need for your most precise shaves. You thought that was good, but Manscaped wants to take your grooming game to the next level with the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides the same proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. The Crop Preserver Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine, and Manscaped will even throw in two free gifts for you in the performance package, the Manscaped Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and your boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free worldwide shipping using the code TOOLSHED. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's keep this party going here. Ranks 21 through 30. Chris, who are those guys for you? All right, so at 21, I have Dre Jameson, followed by Gordon Graceffo, D.L. Hall, Ken Waldachuk, and Luis Ortiz. 26 through 30 features Max Meyer, Cooper Jerpy, Dylan Lesko, Brock Porter, Jake Eater rounding out the 30 spot. All right. For me, I have 21 through 25, Jack Leiter, Quinn Priester, Jackson Job, Wilmer Flores. So back-to-back Tigers there. Gunnar Hoagland, D.L. Hall. Oh, that's actually 26. 26 to 30, D.L. Hall, 
Hayden Wisniewski, Dylan Lesko, Ken Waldachuk, Dylan Lesko, and wait a minute. Wisniewski, Wald- Lesko, Waldachuk, and Brock Porter. I was getting all tongue-tied there with my rankings. So a couple of names immediately stand out here to me. And those are D.L. Hall and Jack Leiter. I know you had you had Leiter in your last set, but at 19, I have him at 21. With Leiter, obviously, you know, tons of upside, you know, great career at Vanderbilt. You know, but last was a bit of a, you know, up and down year. And, you know, very still pretty young and was put right into double A immediately by the Texas Rangers in 2022. But overall had a 554 ERA in 92 and two thirds innings with a 155 whip and 56 walks to 109 Ks in those 92 and two thirds innings. Now, some people, you know, have asked why, you know, at least me personally, why I haven't r- ranked him higher you know, given the upside pedigree you know high draft status whatever but here's why like, obviously the stuff is good and everyone that's watched jack lighter knows the stuff is good but just the walk rate has consistently been high for him it, even at vanderbilt he had a walk rate of 10.8 percent in 125 and two-thirds innings and the minor leagues last year was 13.2 percent in 92 and two-thirds innings so i just kind of wonder where you know does that limit him and how it can he get that walk rate below 10 percent? like if it's eight or nine percent fine even in 10 percent, fine with his stuff but if it's going to be 11 12 13 percent in that range that's when i start getting concerned and you know dropping guys down my rankings here so i don't know with lighter i'm still a little hesitant to bump him higher given you know the walk rate concerns right now yeah, i mean i think that's fair i think when you look at lighter i mean we saw the elite stuff at vanderbilt and we've still seen flashes of it even this past year. I do think it's worth noting that this is for the first time in Jack Leiter's life, he struggled this year. Think about the fact that, I mean, one, he's Al Leiter's son. So he grew up getting the best training possible. I'm certain of it. He dominated in high school. He dominated the SEC at Vanderbilt. He no-hit my South Carolina Gamecocks and struck out 14 or 16 in nuts game. And this year he struggled. And I would say it's probably the first time ever that he struggled. So I think probably. that, yeah, when you think about that, like those are things that he's going to have to work through. And how does he handle struggles? And we saw last year, I think the command was the reason that it bit him. I mean, he's very athletic. He you know repeats the delivery well. He has a bit of deception. Like it's a very easy delivery, low release point. His fastball's you know, still good. His fastball sitting in the mid-90s. I think the fastball's plus. The fastball touched 99 last year. I think that when he's on, like he he is commanding it well. Like His best starts, he does command the fastball well at the top of the zone. The slider also is a plus pitch, too. I mean, the, the slider's been up to 87. Really good pitch. I mean, it was tough. I think it was really tough because he went from college to double a i mean after his college season in 2021 he didn't pitch we saw him you know working out at the complex and that we were there for the afl but he was just thrown on the backfield and that was it not even in game you know straight to double a he, he struggled to locate the pitches didn't get a lot of whiffs the command is the issue and if that becomes more consistent then i think we see him really take a step forward back up rankings but right now i think there are some risk and I think there's some reliever risk, honestly. The fastball slider would play really good out of the bullpen. I hope that that's not the case, but I do think there is a lot of 
you know, volatility and you know, there's still a lot. There's, I think the jury's still out on what Jack Leiter is. Yeah, I think we could say the same for Kumar Rocker as well. It's somebody that you will not hear in our rankings. We're going to rank up to 50 in this episode, and he did not make either one of our top 50s. I think he was 56 for you and 65 for me or something like that. So just outside. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of concerns with both these guys. Obviously, the stuff is there for both, but just where does the command and control at? And you see, you've seen that a lot recently with a lot of these Vanderbilt arms. You know, they, you know, obviously Vanderbilt's one of the most storied franchise or collegiate systems out there and always has been, probably always will be. But some of their top arms haven't really panned out overly well over the last you know, half decade or so. I'm not saying that's going to be the case for, for Lighter and Rocker. I just have, you know, a fair amount of questions for both of them. So, you know, I maybe I'm a little even a little bit high. I could make a case, drop him down a few more spots here. None of these names behind him are you know screaming to go ahead of him, but you know I could definitely see you know once Gunnar Hoagland gets healthy, he's a great buy right now. I'm still very high in Gunnar Hoagland. Once he gets healthy, I could see him jumping ahead of Jack Leiter. Maybe a Quinn Priester, Job absolutely could. Upside is very very high. With Jackson Job, maybe, you know, even like a Lesko or a Porter as well. Obviously, two of the higher upside guys from this past draft class and Cooper Jerpy as well. But DL going over here to the other guy I mentioned earlier, DL Hall. Both of us still have him in our top 30. You know, I'm starting to wonder why I still have him. And obviously, even if he goes to the reliever route, which I think is going to be the case, he's still gonna be one of the, you know, a top one of the top relievers in the game. Like the stuff is there. You know, three great pitches. Like he could could be the next Josh Hader. Like that could be a distinct possibility. But this the command and control is, has not gotten better. Like it started getting better a couple of years ago. You know, a little bit. Then it just fell off a cliff again this past year. So I don't think he even has quite Hader's command and control. I'm not saying Hader has good command and control, but I still see a, a pretty low floor with Hall. And maybe he's just one of those guys that's just really fun to watch, but just can't put it together given that command and control. So I don't know. Do you see where do you see Hall kind of going in rankings from here on out? Do you see him moving up, moving down? Where are you at on DL Hall, Chris? Well, I think he only moves up if he is a starter and is performing. Not to say there's no value in a reliever, because I think that Hall has the stuff to be like an elite closer. That'd be really fun to see. And I'd argue that his stuff plays best out of the bullpen. But I wonder if they're going to give him a chance and run as a as a starter. I mean, we're talking about a super good arsenal. I mean, fastball, slider, curve, changeup, all extremely good pitches. It's just throwing strikes, commanding them. Like, those are the issues. I think that he can make a jump, and I think he's going to be have a chance to get a rotation spot next year with Baltimore. But I'm afraid the command holds him back and pushes him in the bullpen, which probably isn't the worst thing in the world because I think he could be an elite club. Yeah. And, and we've seen it too, like with Josh Hader, with AJ Pock, you know, Garrett Crochet, some of these guys that were, you know, borderline starters and thought could be starters, just play better out of the bullpen and like their stuff. And you see it a lot with these lefties too, because, you know, having a elite lefty like this in the bullpen is so valuable to major league teams. Yeah. I, I still think they haven't closed the door on him starting, but, if I had to bet money on what role he's going to be, I'm very safely say reliever if I had to bet money on that. All right. Next set of 10 here. Those 31 through 40 from me. That is Ryan Pepio, 
Cole Henry, who I know I'm still pretty high on, but so many injuries with him. Cody Morris, Mason Montgomery, Emerson Hancock, Bubba Chandler, Darlin Susana, Gordon Graceffo, Robert Gasser, and Mike Burrows. Chris, who you got? All righty. Clicked away from the sheet. Let me get back there. All right, 31. Quinn Priester, Jackson Job, Ryan Pepiot, Gunnar Hoagland, Dax Fulton, Cade Cavalli, Ryan Nelson, Robert Gasser, Nick Nostrini, and Cade Horton at 40. So another this is I think this is where it starts dropping off a bit here. Though there are still some fun names like Dax Fulton. Really good stuff there with, with Dax Fulton. Where do I have him, Dax Fulton, in my rankings? Uh, I don't even know where I see him on my sheet. I might have skipped over him by accident, but he's got really good stuff. So I like him to rise up rankings a lot. For me, like at 35, Emerson Hancock is one where I've always been a big Hancock guy. And I thought the stuff was there to, you know, post higher K rates, miss, you know, have more swing and miss in the profile, but this hasn't come yet. So I think he's going to be, you know, I think he's still going to be a, a decent major league starter, but maybe he's more of like an SP4 type in, for fantasy, kind of a lower, probably at this point, maybe a league average K rate guy or 22 ish percent, 23 percent. But I'm kind of done projecting 26, 27, 28 percent. You know, it just hasn't shown it there, but he still has pretty solid results. So I think, like I said, good major league arm, but. For fantasy, I just don't see a whole ton of upside here anymore. But then we got then we got the upside guys here. I can this is Nick Nastrini, Daryl and Susanna, you know, Mason Montgomery, you know, Ryan Pepio. Again, we mentioned him earlier, pretty underrated as well. So a lot of fun names in this ranking. I mean, if we go like 41 through 50, you know, we have some more names here. Like I have Emmett Sheehan, Cooper Jerby, who I probably should move up a bit, Chase Petty. Simeon Woods Richardson, Jared Schuster, Matt Allen, great by low. I'm still very high on Allen, though. Needs to get back on the mound here. Randy Vasquez, Kate Horton, Tanner Burns, and Ben Brown. Who are your 41 through 50, Chris? Get those rankings in. Yeah, so 41 is Cody Morris, followed by Kyle Muller, Garland Susana, Jacob Mizorowski, Tanner Burns. And then 46 through 50 is Wilmer Flores, Cole Wynn, Ty Madden, Jared Schuster, and Mike Burrows. Cole Wynn, let's talk about him for a second because I don't have him in my top 50. I did for the season. I've always really liked Cole Wynn. I remember saying, you know, after that 20, what draft was it? 2018 draft where I firmly had him as my number two arm for FYPD behind Casey Myers, who went number one overall to the Detroit Tigers. And, you know, he had a really down kind of 2019. There was a lot of walk issues there, a lot of command issues even outside of, of game action, you know, at camp and whatnot. But then he came back, you know, after the layoff in 2020, had a very good 2021 year. He had 241 ERA in 21 starts, 86 innings total, you know, and dropped the walk rate down to, you know, not a great number, but it was 9.3%, struck out 32% of batters there. So I was like, all right, 0.86 whip. Everything was looking good, right? This was between mostly a double A, a couple of triple A starts. And then last year, it's like he just completely regressed. It's almost like 2021 didn't even happen. And 121 and two-thirds, this was all in the PCL. So granted, it was the PCL, but still, 87 walks in this 121 and two-thirds innings. It's a 15.2% rate. And then the K rate dropped down to 21.5%. And I, I, I like when, Chris, I just... 
I don't know what what how I want to rank him. Is obviously the upside is there, and he showed it. He showed it in 2021, but it's very concerning to me that after showing that and showing the improvements in the command and control department, like I said, it's it's almost like the season just got wiped out entirely by what happened last year. But where are you, where are you on? You still have hope or what? Where are you at? I do, and I I dropped him like pretty significantly, like extremely, like t- out of the 400 in some point during last season when he was just sucking it up. But I do think there is still hope. I've kind of gone back and just tried to review like what happened. So there is a good explanation for it actually with an injury that was never technically diagnosed with him. So he was terrible. But through four starts, which seems, you know, obviously small sample, through four starts, he had a 220 ERA and he got line drive on the foot on April 26th. So after that, he changes he changed the mechanics because he was favoring that foot pretty heavily and everything went downhill. You could you could see it. His release point changed significantly and it really affected the way his pitches moved because his whole body just looked completely different. And he pitched in the PCL. So like I really went back and tried to watch and it, it's just a stark difference. Like you, you can go find it on my Twitter. There's a good conversation I have with RM Layton about it. But there's a, I did an image and a video side by side of the differences from the April 26th start before he got line drive over to the May 1st. And he's so far outside after the injury. Like his arm slot is, is probably a foot difference, which changes everything about a pitcher. So I think that matters. Just go back and look at what we did in 2021. And then thinking about the injury, like in the effects of it, I think he could bounce back to 2021 levels, which is why I went back and moved him back up pretty significantly. It's like, okay, well, if this was truly an injury issue, it was never diagnosed, or it was, I mean, it was diagnosed as a bruise, but it, he clearly favored it. And then even if he got healthy down the stretch, he just got comfortable with those crappy mechanics that he had been pitching through for, for months. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think there is a case to be made for Colwyn bouncing back strong, and I'd probably look to buy low on him if you could. Yeah, in general, I do think you know he's more of a buy low than anything right now. I just wonder too, with just can he get back to those mechanics? Like we say, it's you know that's what it will take. But that's easier said than done as well. Like can't change a mechanics is not like an easy thing. So I just wonder. And I just wonder too. Like it's it's weird that. His mechanics will change that much, like you, like you mentioned, and I saw the video that you posted as well. That is this is concerning that he had to change the mechanics that much to kind of make himself feel, you know, take away some of the pain or whatever it was, you know, whatever the reasoning behind it was with that foot injury. So I said the, the talent's still there. I definitely agree. The talent is still there. I, I've always liked Colin, like I said. So definitely buy low if possible. I just I still have my concerns, but I think 2023 will be a a really big kind of like make or break year. I got like, Kenny bounce back, you know, even if it's not the 2021 levels, can he get at least back to close to those levels, you know, drop the, drop the walk rate back down and start missing more bats again. How does he look on the mound? Does he look comfortable? So I think this would be a really make or break year and really determine, you know, where wind kind of winds up in the rankings as he purposes. All right. So who are some of the other names here, Chris, that you know, even if it's outside of our 50, you know, that we already talked about. Who are just a few names here that you really like to move up rankings this year? 
Oh man. Well, I would say Win. I think Win's got that shot for sure. Dax Fulton. Dax Fulton's got the stuff and he really finished the year strong. That's that chance to take a huge bump up. I think Jarlin Susana's one where a full season of, of him could really push his ranking. Looking at the FYPD guys, I think Jacob Mizorowski, you know, Kate Horton could both, you know, prove to to be higher in pitching assets than they are. And then going outside of my fifty I like Griff, Mc, Griff McGarry to take a jump. His command is horrible. He walked like 14, 15% of batters, but the stuff is elite. So, you know, typically, sometimes you can get by with elite stuff and poor command, but even if that walk rate does tick down just a bit, then he'll fly up. Hopefully we get Matt Allen back. I love Matt Allen, but oh, he needs yeah. to be on the mound and healthy. And I also think last year's number three overall pick, Jackson Job, is going to put it together this year, and, and we'll really see some steps forward for him. Oh, for sure. Like I mentioned him earlier. I, I think Job, I think Job's to be top 50 overall. And then probably top 10 pitching product. I, I see him getting into like the Harrison, Brown, hence Bobby Miller range for sure this year. The stuff is absolutely there with Jackson Job. So love him. Susanna, definitely agree with there. You know, a couple other names here. I, I like Emmett Sheehan a lot. I got another Dodgers arm. Good change up kind of fit, fits their mold perfectly and he's you know a little bit overshadowed because of the all all the names we already mentioned the, the pepios the millers the stones so i think she hands a good you know value buy right now i mentioned matt allen earlier as well love matt allen also a couple of the names here that i like a little bit that you know have not been mentioned yet i think brock porter is going to be you know a pretty good riser up rankings this year as well i like his stuff a good amount anthony salametto from the Pittsburgh Pirates is another good one. Dax Fulton, oh, actually, we already mentioned him. Who was the other one I wanted to mention here? Detroit's liking on the name for some reason. Why am I having a complete and total brain cramp? Wilmer Flores, there we go. <laughs> complete brain cramp right there. My mind kept going to Reese Olsen. I'm like, no, that one, the other one. Wilmer Flores, you know, very underrated arm. And that's just, and Reese Olsen, too, I think could jump up. I'm not quite as high on him. Mizziorski, obviously, is, is a very talented arm. See if he can, you know, command everything well enough. Owen Murphy, Landon Sims, Taylor Dollard. There's a few other names here that I really like to move up rankings. Ty Madden, Reggie Crawford. A lot of fun names in this range. And yeah, Griff McGarry could be so damn good if he could locate his pitches better. We will see because his stuff is absolutely filthy. He could be easily top 100 if that command comes. But who knows if it will here. Anybody that you, you know, anywhere in our rankings here, What's like one or two names that you're looking to maybe sell right now in Dynasty Leagues? Hmm. I think it's probably too late to sell Jack Leiter. I wouldn't draft Kumar Rocker in FYPD. Mm. Golly, this is tough. I think that Quinn Priester may be borderline sell. Like, There's just a lot yeah. of inconsistencies when I've seen him. I like the stuff. I think he's a good pitcher, but there's some inconsistencies. And could lead to him being a good set. scrolling down my list, like trying to find somebody. I'm just like, oh, I'm just out on him, but I, I wouldn't have ranked him high if that was the case. Oh, I forgot to mention what somebody a buy. Chase Petty's a really good buy right now. Oh, yeah, his stuff's good. Yeah, I think Petty's going to really tick up this year and be be really solid. God, I'm struggling with the sells, to be honest. I, I don't know. I hate to even consider Tinkins, but I think the he has more bullpen risk than most of the arms in the top. That's fair. So yeah. I I mean, he only pitched one inning stints in the AFL. 
I don't know. I just have some concerns that he's just that he could be a reliever. Now, I mean, the stuff's really good. I wouldn't have him ranked as high as I did if that wasn't the case, but I won't lie. I have some concerns about that. So I guess that's a possible sell. Those two are really the only ones that come to mind looking at it is Quinn Priester and, and Tink Kins. Yeah, both of those are fair. For me, I could probably go Kate Cavalli as, as, as a sell again. The stuff is good with Cavalli. He's always been, and you know, had pretty good swing and miss stuff, even though the K rate has kind of fluctuated a bit. But another one where command and control, I think, is to limit him a bit, probably has you know, higher ratios than, than you'd like to see from a guy with his stuff. So I think this, I think this will be fine. I think this will have an, an impact for fantasy, but not quite as high as most people probably will think with him. And I think, you know, going back to DL Hall, I think he's still a, a solid sell right now. But another buy, though, that I want to add that we haven't really talked about, Max Meyer. I think, you know, he's a hard one to rank given given the injury. I know you have him a bit lower than I do, but I still think there's a very good major league arm here with Max Meyer. Like we saw the stuff, fastball, slider, changeup. All really good, especially that slider, which is a 70 grade slider. So I think he's a, a good buy right now. People are kind of discounting him due to that injury. And obviously, you know, we won't see him for a little bit, but I, I really like Max Meyer a lot here. So that'll be another buy for me right now. All right. I think that's going to wrap us up, though. That was a really fun episode. A lot of really fun pitching prospects to talk about here. And we got in as many as we could in around an hour or so. We will come back in episode 176 with our Dynasty. Pitcher rankings, which will be you know just as fun, maybe even more fun. But that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. Join us again next time for those dynasty pitcher rankings. But until then, everyone take care. Yeah.